We are here today at Book Riot Live. <laughs> For this recording of all the books, and we are sponsored by Harper Perennial, and welcome to Night Vale. <laughs> Harper Perennial has published the Welcome to Night Vale episode collections, and they are available now in paperback and ebook. They're called Mostly Void, Partially Stars, which includes the first year of episodes from the podcast, and The Great Glowing Coils of the Universe, which... Just take a moment to appreciate that. It includes the second year of episodes. Both books include introductions from the podcast co-creators Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner, original illustrations by Jessica Hayworth, and behind-the-scenes commentary from performers from the podcast and notable fans, including Cecil Baldwin, Dylan Marin, and Mara Wilson, who will be here this afternoon, and more. In June of 2012, the creators of Welcome to Night Vale began airing twice-monthly podcasts. By the first anniversary, the fan base had exploded, vaulting the podcast into the number one spot on iTunes. Since then, its popularity has grown by epic proportions, hitting more than 100 million downloads, and Night Vale has expanded to a successful live, multicast international touring stage show and a New York Times best-selling novel. So thanks to Harper Perennial, thanks to Welcome to Night Vale, be sure to stop and get your giveaways. Devin's got them back there. Look at you, Vanna. You're doing it. <laughs> On the way out. Now we're ready to rock. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 81, and today we are talking about books released on November 15th, 2016, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from Book Riot Live. Hi. Hey. It's nice to see you. It is nice to see you, too. Should we explain our outfits? Go for it. So we've all got to watch a really sad but very graceful speech on Wednesday morning by a very wonderful woman wearing a purple blazer, like a, a gray blazer with purple lapels. And so we are honoring that grit and grace today. We, for, we forewent our unicorn outfits um, <laughs> in honor of that spirit. But I do have this that, <laughs> that, <laughs> that Liberty gave me last night at the Strand. And when I put it on, the lights came up. It was magic. <laughs> oh, it works. <laughs> it was amazing. Unicorns are real. I never know what's coming when you say I have a gift to give to you. <laughs> and, and this is pretty fantastic. It was the gift of light. It was. And, uh, and unicorn names. Yes. Of course, unicorns. We've been giving them out the whole time we've yeah. been here. So, so. And are you having fun? I am. Are you? I'm having tons of fun. <laughs> There's so many great people. I get to go to the Strand in my books. I get to talk to people. I had a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> well, as is appropriate. Yeah. What happened? Um, well, like, okay, so you all think I'm joking, but I am completely uncivilized. I'm in my office. I don't wear clothes. I work from home, you know? Like, I'm there. It's, I'm like, you know, Gollum or something. I'm just like, <laughs> in my office. So, like, I bought this very fancy, delicate, like, button-up shirt uh -huh. to wear on Friday night. And you looked lovely. Yeah. But then, so I got in line to pay for this book, and so I bought this delicate shirt, and it was, like, a really bad idea. In hindsight, it's, like, you know, stopping two charging rhinos with a piece of tissue paper. Um, so as I walked up to pay, I turned like this, and the front of my shirt went boom right to the guy. Like, like if I had been in a movie, there would have been somebody walking in slow motion in front of me, like not looking back at the explosion. It was like that bad. 
It was that bad. And he was like, is that a third love, bro? Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, it was so embarrassing. But I realize now, like, I blame it on the, like, the strap of my messenger uh, bag. Uh -huh. It's like running over an aerosol can with a tire. Like, that was a bad idea. This is real. This it's real. Is real. I'm glad you survived. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that guy, though. He's going to have to get hazard pay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's had worse days at work. <laughs> he acted like it happens to him all the time. He's like, that'll be $14.95. <laughs> they probably have a sign in the back office of the Strand that's like, it's been three days since some... Three days since... <laughs> accidental boobage. <laughs> Are we, I think we're here to talk about books, but this is better. Oh, I thought you said boobs. <laughs> Have I talked about my famous typo? Like early in the years of Book Riot, I kept typoing Book Riot when I was sending emails to people, and I sent a very professional email introducing myself as the community manager of Boob Riot. <laughs> so this is like a real coming to fruition <laughs> of what we stand for. Oh. Uh... <laughs> So you want to hear about books? Then? I would like to. Yeah. That... yeah. Do you guys want to hear about books? Yay! <laughs> All right. My first pick is Born a Crime: Stories from a South African Childhood by Trevor Noah. Now you guys probably know Trevor Noah. He's the new host of The Daily Show, or recently new host of The Daily Show. He's been doing it for a while now. Um, he was also a stand-up comedian, and I actually had a chance to see him live, like right before he started hosting The Daily Show. And so when they said he had a book, I was like. Kind of hope it. I mean, he's very funny, but like I was, I'm like hoping it wasn't going to be like a rehashing of yeah. all the material that he does, and it it really wasn't. Oh, it, good. He didn't do any of that. So this book is like all new stories, and it's really just about his childhood. It's about when he was very young. So he was born in South Africa at the end of apartheid, and he was born to a black mother and a Swiss father. And like the title says, he was born a crime. It was illegal for for a black person and a white person to have children or even be seen together. So. He he had to have he had to be um, hidden. He was kept indoors like almost every day in his early years because he, they, his mother would have gone to jail. And she used to still visit his father. She used to have to pretend that she was his maid to go over to his house. Um, and so this was like very you know formative for him. He stayed inside with his mother and his grandmother and his aunts, and you know spent all this time around grown-ups while like all the other kids were outside playing. Um, and apartheid did end, and eventually he got to go outside. Um, and run around, and he was wild. He is so funny talking about all the trouble that he got into when he was a kid. Um, he was a really bad kid. Like, he just, he was a bad kid. He was always in trouble. Um, they were very, very poor. He tells the story about how they had to eat caterpillars for several weeks, which was, <laughs> just, I don't know. But he just talks about, like, he used to shoplift all the time. He has all these stories about shoplifting. Um, he had a pirate CD burning operation. Um, he defecated on the floor in front of his blind grandmother, like you do. Oh. You know, it's like what all kids do, right? <laughs> like normal kid stuff. Um, he tells like these amazingly ridiculous stories. Um, but this is also a really loving testament to his mother. Like his mother, you know, they were very poor. She worked all the time, but she also like refused to follow the rules, obviously. You know, her, her family didn't want her to have him. And, and she went and, and she did anyway. Um, and she, but as strong as she was, her life was overshadowed by abuse and violence. Like there's a very alarming episode in the book of what happened to his mother. Um, but he has nothing but admiration and respect for her. It's really, really wonderful and amazing. Um, 
And on top of being like incredibly funny and incredibly interesting, I just found it so rewarding to read about another culture. I mean, his life was so different than the one, you know, we're like a little bit, I'm a little bit older than him, but it was like vastly different and it's great to learn new things and learn about new things. Um, he also talks about his failed attempts at dating. Apparently, <laughs> like he had really bad acne when he was mm. a kid. And so the girls weren't really into that. And now they're so sad. Yeah, they're all like, oh. There's probably like a Facebook group full of women who are like, oh, I had a shot to date Trevor Noah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, like I said, he never, he doesn't say like, and then I started doing stand-up and I was discovered and this is how I became a comedian. It's just this section of his life. So I'm assuming he's saving it like for another book. Hmm. Um, but... It, it's just, it's funny, obviously, and so great. Again, it's called Born a Crime, Stories from a South African Childhood by Trevor Noah. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it right quick. Oh, it goes so fast. You, you love it. So literally right quick. Yep. Uh, so on last week's show, I was talking about how I haven't really been able to read, and I got so excited packing for this trip on Tuesday afternoon, uh, and I packed all these books for this week that are coming out, and I was like, oh, I'm going to, it's going to feel so good. Like, I'm going to read again. We're all going to feel like people, and I'm going to read again. And that didn't happen. And <laughs> uh, so I'm going to do a couple of picks about uh, that I find reassuring after all the feelings that I've had this week, and also books that may be useful for our listeners, either to reassure and reaffirm yourselves, or trying to figure out how to have these difficult conversations that many of us are trying to move forward having. Uh, so my first pick is we Should All Be Feminists by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. <laughs> it is adapted from a TED Talk that she gave a few years ago, which is well worth watching. Uh, it will make you cry, probably, so maybe not today. Uh, don't, do, don't do what Amanda and I did this morning and watch Kate McKinnon dressed as Hillary sing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. That <laughs> We were like, I walked into the green room downstairs and I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, someone tagged me in this video. And I was like, oh, okay. And so we started and then we started crying. And then a vendor walked in and was like, oh my God. <laughs> and we explained and she was like, oh yeah, I watched it this morning. <laughs> so anyway, this is a lovely little book that's adapted from her TED Talk that moves between stories from her life in Nigeria and her life in America. And uses those examples to talk about why she believes we should all be feminists and why this should not be a question, why feminists shouldn't be a loaded word. It's really tiny. It's like 50-ish pages. Uh, they're, they're small pages. You could read this whole thing in about 20 minutes. It, I want to stand on street corners and hand it out. Um, is it okay if I read you guys a little bit from it? <laughs> okay. Uh, some people ask why the word feminist? Why not just say you are a believer in human rights or something like that? Because that would be dishonest. Feminism is, of course, part of human rights in general, but to choose to use the vague expression human rights in, is to deny the specific and particular problem of gender. It would be a way of pretending that it was not women who have for centuries been excluded. It would be a way of denying that the problem of gender targets women, that the problem was not about being human, but specifically about being a female human. For centuries, the world divided human beings into two groups and then proceeded to exclude and oppress one group. It is only fair that the two the feelings. <laughs> it is only fair that the solution to the problem should acknowledge that. And that's my answer to people. Why can't we say human rights? Why does it have to be about feminism? Why does it have to be talking about women? Can't we all just be happy? We can, <laughs> but this is it. Uh, if you have not picked this up, or if you need to pick up 25 of them, <laughs> I sincerely recommend it. And again, it's We Should All Be Feminists by Chimamande Ngozi Adichie. 
It's my turn again already. Uh, that was fast. Yeah. It's right. okay. So my next book is one that I really enjoyed, but has been kind of... Not everyone has enjoyed it, but I'm going to talk about it because I'm the one up here sweating in these leather pants. So, <laughs> you guys, I just tried to go pee, and it was like Ross on Friends. I was like, oh, I'm, so... I'm so nervous. <laughs> I'm sure that Zadie S Smith has always wanted to be introduced that way. So now let's talk about Zadie Smith. <laughs> My next pick is Swing Time by Zadie Smith. Um, I was, I've mentioned this before, I was completely embarrassed. I know I shouldn't be, no shame, but I had never read Zadie Smith before. Um, and I saw her speak at NEBA, which is the New England Independent Booksellers Association, a few months ago, and I was completely mesmerized. I was in her thrall. I don't know if you've ever seen her talk. She's amazing. She was just, I can't repeat any of it because it was too smart. Like, I, I would just not do it justice. She's brilliant. So I got a copy of Swing Time, and I read it. Um, it opens with the main character, is being whisked away and hidden, sort of like in an apartment, hotel kind of thing. Something bad has happened, like something embarrassing. She's been shamed. And she's like supposed to stay in there, not contact the press. They're like, turn off your phone so nobody can find you. And this is all we know like at the beginning. Um, and then you learn that it's about uh, these two friends, Tracy and the narrator. Um, the narrator is not named, so don't hurt yourself trying to find one. I keep seeing people online going, what was the narrator's name? People are like, she doesn't have one. So she doesn't have a name. Um, it's about how they meet in England in dance class when they are very young. They both want to be dancers, but really only Tracy is talented. Um, but they both have problems in their lives that are going to stand in their way of achieving their goals. Um, and in her 20s, the narrator works for like the British MTV, I think, and she gets a job working as the personal manager for an artist named Amy. She's kind of like a Madonna figure. Um, she's this huge superstar, and the narrator goes to work for her, um, and she's living like this fast-paced rock and roll lifestyle, and then Amy decides she wants to open a school for girls in West Africa. So now the book moves to West Africa, and how they build the school, and it goes back and forth through time, um, through her friendship with Tracy, and what's going on with the school, and her relationship with Amy and her mother. And the, the, I mean, the core of the book is really the friendship with Tracy and the narrator. Um, but it's also about racism and cultural appropriation, poverty and privilege, as well as the mother-daughter dynamic. And so like I said, I really enjoyed it. I found myself rereading sentences. Um, and sometimes I was thinking, like, I've never done this with a book before. While I was reading, I was like, I've never heard those words in, in that order before. Oh. I was probably reading it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I thought she was brilliant, and I, I couldn't get enough of it. But like I said, I'm going to be completely honest. The internet is wildly split on this book. I find that they're wildly split on Zadie Smith in general. Yeah, yeah. When I say I haven't read her, someone goes, On Beauty is the best book. And then someone else says, On Beauty is horrible. Read White Teeth. Like, nobody can seem to agree on Zadie Smith. Hmm. So like I said, the fans are sort of split on this book, but I loved it. And even if it gets a little bit muddled on occasion, I, there was so much to get out of it that it's completely worth it. So again, that is Swing Time by Zadie Smith. We can be alone and together in our embarrassment, because I have not read her yet either. Yeah. So that's okay. But we don't have to be embarrassed. No shame. No shame. No shame. Uh, my next pick, since I didn't read anything this week, uh, is a book that was recommended to me. We were talking among the contributor core about like what books are we going to be recommending to our community, and uh, based on the fact that Book Riot talks so much about feminism and social justice and the word intersectionality and how these things go together. And one that came up over and over in conversations uh, was a book called Freedom is a Constant Struggle by Angela Davis. Uh, it came out earlier this year. 
and it's a collection of essays, interviews, and speeches. She is a renowned activist uh, that looks at the connections between struggles against state violence and oppression throughout history and around the world as they relate to black women in particular, but issues of him. I see some like amens happening over here. <laughs> yeah, you are you gonna second that emotion? Okay, good. Um, I'm really looking forward to reading it. I feel like my uh, shopping is just going to be very heavily influenced by trying to educate myself more and be better at talking about the things that we're trying to talk about. So I'm going to pick up Freedom is a Constant Struggle very soon. If you guys have books that you would like to share and recommend, please tweet those to us or you can send us an email at bookriot.com. You guys here and also uh, the folks listening at home. I just like remembered that people were going to listen to this because it feels like <laughs> you guys are all that we need to have <laughs> today. And if we you love you at home. Hello, we like you. Uh, I was wearing a unicorn horn for a little while. <laughs> I was really cool and collected. Jeff always, re Jeff always reminds me on the Book Riot show, like, we, we can't just, like, talk, say there's a graph. Like, it's, you know, theater of radio, you have to tell the people what's on the graph. It's like, okay, I had on a unicorn horn. <laughs> Um, if you are thinking, this is just a related, if you're thinking about these things and you want to know what you can do, Amanda is going to be leading an activism brainstorming session at 1230 in the Commons right behind this panel room. So if you heard her mention that yesterday about this is coming, it's going to be at 1230, and you can check that out. Anyway, the book that I'm going to pick up on my way home, it's Freedom is a Constant Struggle by Angela Davis. Dave was reading it in line this morning. Oh, you were? How, Dave, how is it? It's great. He said, Dave says it's great. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. You can go now. <laughs> oh, it's also not very big. Okay, our homework is manageable. That's great. <laughs> okay, Liberty, please save me. <laughs> All right, it's my turn again already. All right, my next pick is, I'm going to botch this. I, I looked it up on YouTube to listen to, but my, my friend Jen mm -hmm. was sleeping this morning, so I didn't want to, like, play it, and so... Uh, Nineveh? Nineveh, yeah, uh-huh. It didn't sound right when I said it in my head. My next pick is called Nineveh by Henrietta Rose Inez. Um, it's from Unnamed Press. You know how much I love Unnamed Press? They're amazing little indie press. This book is very stylish and intriguing, um, and it is not for the insect-averse. Okay. Like, if you don't like bugs, this is crawlies. probably not the book that you should read. It's about a woman named Katya Grubbs. She lives in Cape Town. She is an ethical pest removal specialist. Um, she likes to humanely and patiently remove critters as opposed to just going in and wiping them out. Um, she works with her teen nephew, Toby, and she and Toby take a job at Nineveh, which is a luxury housing development, and their job is to remove an infestation of exotic beetles. Um, but it turns out that humans are actually the real problem oh. in the building. Um, Katja is considered a sort of unconventional young woman. She has an unconventional profession, but she's actually a second-generation exterminator. Her dad was an exterminator as well. Um, so she starts her job at Nineveh and quickly becomes quite curious and taken with the building and its surroundings, as well as a few of the residents and the mysterious caretakers and the scavenger crews that sort of live in the shadows of the building. And around this time, her estranged father shows back up in her life. She's had this very contentious relationship with her dad. And he shows back up, sort of upsets the order of things and causes her to question her choices and where she's going in the future. It's so different and weird and refreshing and atmospheric and a bunch more adjectives. Um, although I have to say, I haven't finished it. I have like 30 more pages to go. And I'm not even going to like try to pretend I know how the outcome is going to go because we've all learned that you can't do that. No. So, <laughs> but. Hopefully it won't lead to crying for a day and a half. 
If you're afraid of bugs, it will. Oh. <laughs> um, so again, it is called Nineveh by Henrietta Rose Inez. I have a couple new releases <laughs> that I read pre previous to this week. Uh, the first is Scrappy Little Nobody. It's a memoir collection of essays by Anna Kendrick. It's really fun. I spent like two hours learning how to do the cups like clapping thing, watching, <laughs> watching her on YouTube. And my plan was to like, I know the song and I learned the clapping thing. And I just never got to the part where I could do them together and not look ridiculous or be like very slow. So just imagine that I'm doing that and it's very graceful right now. <laughs> um, you can tell everyone at home that you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm totally doing it. I'll just make some clapping sounds. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're amazing. I'm, I'm gonna like flip your Red Bull can. How do you do it's that? It's got mountains, it's got rivers. Uh, so <laughs> Scrappy Little Nobody is a memoir in sh basically short essays. Uh, she writes about, she started on Broadway when she, I think she was 12 uh, in Annie, which it seems like everyone who's a child star starts, uh, starts on Broadway in Annie. Uh, and she talks about discovering that theater was the way that she could sort of harness all of her energy and express herself, how acting in theater shaped her social life as a teenager and helped her not feel like an outcast, not feel like a weirdo, because you, like, like you, you find your tribe of weirdos, like, <laughs> like kind of like what we've all done uh, this week. And then she moves up into how she got into movie acting, uh, what all the things that her family did to support her, what it was like to move to LA as a young woman and not really know anything. And the parts that I found most relatable, like I love Anna Kendrick on Twitter. I think she feels very real. So either she is very real or she's like super good at faking it. Um, and I don't want to know if that's the case. Uh, but she talks about sort of like realizing when you're a younger person that like, I'm not really a person yet. Like there's this thing about being an adult that I haven't figured out, or there's a whole bunch of pieces of being an adult that I haven't figured out. And she talks about the experiences and the friendships and relationships and also the working experiences that helped her figure out like how to do the right thing and sort of like lean into the moment. Uh, but she's not like, she's not reading Brene Brown and leaning into things. She's just being snarky and wonderful. Uh, it's, it's really a lot of fun. If you want to spend a couple days, reading like a, with a fun new friend. I think that's a, a great relaxing thing to do. And it felt like getting to know her better. Uh, the book is really fun. It would be great on audio. Uh, she's, she's just a delight. You're not going to like change your life or really learn a lot about, I mean, you'll learn some things about her. Uh, but it's more like, let me just talk to you. It feels like sitting over a drink with her, which is exactly what I hoped this book would be like. Uh, so again, it's called Scrappy Little Nobody. It's by Anna Kendrick. You know how there's the Facebook group for women that didn't date Trevor Noah. Yes. I'm part of the Facebook group of women that grew up in Maine who didn't become Anna Kendrick. Oh, <laughs> so it's like everyone. It's everyone else. <laughs> she's yeah. from really close to you, isn't she? She's, like 40, she's from Portland, so it's mm -hmm. like 45 minutes. Okay. Not that I've ever scoped it out. No. <laughs> that wasn't on your contract writer this year? <laughs> yes. So What's next it's my you? turn again. My last pick is called The Gloaming by Melanie Finn. Um, this came out from $2 Radio a few months ago. They are amazing. I love them. I'm part of their tattoo club. I got in. Uh, you get a tattoo of their logo, and then they send you books for life. And they're like, we're going to do this thing because we're a little indie press, and we want, the, we want the publicity. And immediately, like, 25 of us freaks were like, yes. And they're like, okay, we got to cut this off, or we're going to go out of business right now. <laughs> Can you imagine if all the publishers offered that? I would have them on my face. <laughs> I would have more books than I would know what to do with. We should I, think about, I, like... Already, but... You'd have to like start over though. No, look at my hand. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. Sure. I mean, that's commitment. Yeah. If you were like, put this down to your neck, I, I might consider it. <laughs> like the penguin? I might. That little penguin right here. <gasps> that would be so cute. <laughs> 
the McSweeney's chair inside my lip. <laughs> anyway. Someone at McSweeney's is like, oh shit. <laughs> They're like, they, I don't know, maybe I'll get an email tomorrow. Or, I mean, when they listen to this. Then you'll have to make good on it, or, or not. Would you? You would. I probably would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so... I want to talk about this one because this is one that you're going to see in a lot of end-of-the-year lists. I really believe that. It's really dark and strange, but it's just rolling and rolling, and more people are loving it, and it's so great. Um, I just realized that all the books I'm talking about today take place in Africa. Oh. I didn't plan that, but hmm. it just kind of worked out that way. Okay. That's cool. Um, so this is about a woman named Pilgrim. Pilgrim's husband has left her for another woman. That woman is already pregnant with his child, and she is very distraught. And in her distress, she causes an accident or is involved in an accident that leads to the death of three children. Um, and even though she is cleared of wrongdoing, she feels this unbearable sense of guilt. So she flees the Swiss town where she is. She's only in this town because she was following her husband around and she, he like abandoned her in this town. So she flees and she goes to Africa. She wants to get a far, as far away from everyone as she can. Um, she wants to repair her life, so she goes to Africa. She befriends the people who live there, um, who each have their own sad past. And she's sort of living this quiet existence. And then someone leaves the remains of an albino in a box. And about a person? An albino person. Okay. Yeah, like in, in, um, in a box. Yeah, I lost all my words. Sorry. I was like, excuse me, there's the remains of a person in a box? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. What's in the box? Like that. <laughs> um... And so this is apparently some sort of warning in their town. Like, it's, it's linked to witchcraft, and, but nobody knows, like, who their intended recipient is. Mm. So she's getting very nervous, and not helping matters is the fact that she has this sinking feeling that she's being followed around. Oh. So it's very ominous. <laughs> so like swing time, it goes back and forth through time. But it's just, it's really dark and absorbing. Um, it's this novel of betrayal and tragedy and fate. Fate plays a really big part in her life. She's like, if my husband hadn't left me, I wouldn't have been in that accident and I wouldn't have gone to Africa, you know? And like, she just sort of examines this with everybody. Like, if this hadn't happened to you, then these things wouldn't have happened, which you could, like, anybody could do all day long, you know? Like, if I hadn't drank all these Red Bulls, I would be talking slower. So, I mean, <laughs> anybody can do Cause it. Cause and effect. <laughs> Cause and, yes. Um, so, but it's, you know, she also, like I said, she investigates the actions of the others around her, like the uh, detective who investigated her accident. Like, th he made decisions based on things that, you know, happened in his life. Um, but it's, it's so wonderful. It's atmospheric and weird. And sometimes things teeter on the edge of not making sense. And the ending is, like, popping emoji eyes. But <laughs> it's, she pulls it off. It's amazing. Um, so, again, it's called The Gloaming by Melanie Finn. Awesome. Uh, my last pick this week is Wonderland, How Play Made the Modern World by Steven Johnson. He is a science writer, and his brain does this thing where he's like, well, we all think that the history of this thing is this way. But really, it was this whole other thing that nobody thought about. Uh, and he looks at how culture shapes it. So this book is about how many of the inventions that run the modern world have their origins in people like tinkering around making stuff for fun. Uh, the introduction talks about like that when uh, histories are written of the Industrial 
revolution. Most of them are set in Europe. They talk about like clockmakers and gears and how like the making of clocks and then programmable machines led up to eventually the making of computers. And he's like, actually, back in the 16th century, people in the Middle East were making these toys, like the first cuckoo clock kinds of things, or these toys that would shift a lever and a little like doll would pop out and move around. And those went away for a while, like in the Dark Ages, those went away. And then we sort of discovered them again. But when people write the history, they write the history of Europeans making things. And he digs into how most of the things that we have actually have their origins in not that. Uh, <laughs> anybody surprised? <laughs> um, there's a fat, the first chapter was like blew my mind so much that the rest of it, I was like, okay, so the rest of this book is just gonna keep on blowing my mind. Uh, and he talks about the ties between how shopping and culture and the rise of essentially capitalism and uh, conspicuous consumerism. But that people think it was about like, oh, we developed monetary systems, governmental systems rose up, people had enough money that they could buy things to display their status, and so that's what they did, and that's how shopping became a thing. But he actually ties, he's like, no, no, it was a snail. So there's like this certain sea snail that emits an ink to protect itself, and the ink some people discovered way back in the day could be used to make purple dye. And like purple is notoriously hard to make, right? This is a, it's a rare color in nature. Purple dye is really difficult. That's how it became the color of royalty's robes. So they figure out that they can use this snail to make purple dye and that it works. And they use so much of it that they used up all the snails on the coast. So their sailors started sailing like out into the ocean or kind of around the Horn of Africa looking for more snails. And they found them and they used them and they made more and more of this cloth. So as the cloth becomes developed, this is like a, I'm not doing Stephen Johnson any justice. Um like the cloth becomes a thing that people have and then they start printing on it and then shopkeepers decide that they want to display it. Like previously you would just sort of go and rifle through things to pick out your clothing or your curtains or whatever. So they start displaying these cloths that they've made with this magical purple dye from snails. Uh, and then people start experiencing shopping as a thing that you don't have to go buy something. You can go just look and see what's there. And shopkeepers start figuring out ways to display more things in their shops and to make shopping an experience that you want to have and to like design the boutique to keep you in there longer like this is how we ended up with grocery stores that are laid out with all the shit that you need actually way far at the back like it started with this and he ties all of that into how uh, we use objects to display our status and how shopping culture actually began and what that has meant for the modern world. And that's just one example. You're like, the snail, like I was like on Wikipedia about the snail. You're gonna Google crazy, crazy things because of this. If you've never read him before, most of his books are like this. Uh, my favorite one is called Where Good Ideas Come From. And he looks at all of the ways that the best inventions and ideas in the world have resulted not from one guy alone in a room, like frantically trying to solve a problem, but from creative ideas bumping up against each other in sort of serendipitous ways. Uh, it's really amazing. He is so just fascinating. There was a, a PBS series of his last book called How We Got to Now that was about six inventions that changed the modern world, like what, how, how discovering that we could keep ice cold led to air conditioning and refrigeration and being able to have meat in grocery stores for more than one day and all sorts of stuff. He's really incredible. Uh, so this book is Wonderland by Stephen Johnson. It is my last pick. It is out this week. Those are our new books. What are you going to read next? 
Uh, I'm actually going to read Coin Locker Babies by Ryu Murakami, translated by Steven Snyder. It was recommended to me by Jan from the New York City Read Harder book group. Oh, cool. Represent over there. Woo! I got to go last, two months ago, two months ago, I was in New York City and, and Jen Northington was like, why don't you come to book group? And so I did. And now I'm sad that I'm like back in Maine and I can't go to their book group. Maybe, Maybe you and Anna Kendrick could start a Read Harder group in Maine. That would be cool. Yeah. So I don't really know much about it, except I think I mentioned him a couple episodes ago. He's supposed to be like this psychotic, splatterpunk, disgusting, gross, Is splatterpunk a thing? Yeah, oh. it is now. I just said it. Um, <laughs> but like no, a- it's really a thing. Um, but it's like about a guy who was abandoned in a bus station locker as a baby, um, and he grew up with some issues, and his girlfriend has an illegal alligator farm in her apartment. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong. No. Everything is fine. That's where the baby's part of the title comes in. No, No, I don't know. But they do have to eat. Your turn. (laughs) It's not fair to make me go after you. I don't know what I'm going to read. One of the books that I packed to read this week that I didn't get to is The Book of Unknown Americans by Christina Henriquez. Okay, we got some claps for that. Uh, I I think it's a novel about that deals with immigration experiences. Tell me, Melissa. Yes? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Okay, a family from Nicaragua. Okay. Okay. Is that how you say that word? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> the word is diaspora. Okay. Can you use it in okay. a sentence? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Not right now. Not right now. Uh, So a family from Nicaragua who moves to the United States because their daughter has a head injury and they end up in an apartment building with a bunch of other immigrant families from diaspora and... I do know that word, for the record. (laughs) I'm just repeating it for the folks at home. Ah, so there's love too. Okay. Melissa is a longtime Book Riot fan and a bookseller, and she just sold the shit out of that book. So, <laughs> so that's what I'm going to read now. That is our show, so we're going to open it to you guys for questions and answers. Uh, you might have questions. We hope to have answers. Uh, and Devin's going to take the mic around. Anybody? Well, we will answer whatever. Like, I did Unless talk about... Us. I did talk about IUDs with, like, three women for 20 minutes yesterday after you... <laughs> Yours is made out of velour, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> oh, no. Actually, I actually don't have a question. I was going to tell you for um, Story of Untold Americans, listen to it on audiobook. Oh. Um, I did that, and then I did that again when my book club read it. And it's fabulous. They have different actors come in. Oh, that's the and best. it's beautiful. Thank you. Yep. That's how you learned how to say that word. <laughs> <laughs> Audiobooks, they will teach you things. You guys have that experience, right, where you read a word over and over and you think it's one thing in your head and then someone says it out loud and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, but there's no word for that. I want someone to come up with a word for that. Oh, for that Never feeling? Never heard a word out loud. Yeah. Like, like tyrant and tyranny? That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> it should either be tyrant or tyranny. Like, come on. It's not fair. What is with that? It's spicy. <laughs> Anybody else? 
Oh, you guys, we won't bite you. Oh, right here. Speak for yourself. <laughs> your, your venom is just Red Bull, it's fine. You like, Liberty bites you and you get a little energy for a few minutes. This is just like a question about how the podcast has made and mm -hmm. just gotten to meet both of you. I feel like it's like already something I'm rethinking is how does it feel sort of that every week we feel like you guys are our friends because we listen to you and feel like we know you so intimately, but like Aww. how aware are you of the brand and like as you're talking or as you're editing, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's the shows as you hear them are the shows as they happen, short of like one of us horribly mispronounces a word or like in the middle of an ad read, sometimes we'll get stuck on things and have to like do a second take of, oh crap, that's the actual discount code for a thing. But like what you hear on the show is exactly the conversation that we have with each other. And I don't remember who I was talking to yesterday, but like most of the time that I'm recording this show or the show with Jeff, I forget that people are going to listen to it. Like it's a theoretical conceptual thing. Like, oh yes, we're doing this for reasons of people hearing it, but it feels like just getting to call one of your best friends and talk about a thing once a week. So there's not a, um, like, I, I mean, wh who would intentionally brand? <laughs> like, this is a podcast where women tell lots of jokes about cats. <laughs> I'd listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> and the, like, I think that's a pretty good example of how Book Riot does most things. Like, we're free to do the thing in the way that feels right and expressive to us and that represents our values and the company's values. And, uh, and then magic weird things happen because of it. But it, it really is like how we sound when we talk to each other. Don't you think so? I think so. The conversations we have before we start recording are pretty, <laughs> pretty interesting. Yeah. We, always, we always start recording and we're like, so now that we're recording, Kyle, you're so glad that you just missed what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, the editing is, stuff. Yeah, the editing is usually just like for sound quality or to take out a mistake that one of us made. We leave in a lot of mistakes me. too. <laughs> She's like, that's not how you say that word. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> Tyranny. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. And I think like a, one of the coolest things has been like we were friends before we started this, but doing like getting to do this as work together every week has made us better friends. And I think podcasts have that magic anyway of like you feel like you know the people because there's something about having someone's words in your ears that it's much more intimate than reading a post on the site or following someone on Twitter. Uh, and it, I, I'm glad that that, like, that that conveys, but I don't think the magic is so... <laughs> I don't think the magic is us so much as like, this is a really interesting and cool medium, the way it lets you connect yeah. with people. And we feel so lucky that- So lucky. That like, you guys like listening to us <laughs> be weirdos at, at each other once a week. There's another, I saw a hand up here. Hi. Hi. My name's Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Um, my question was for more liberty, because I know on the podcast you've shared how your husband's a reader too, mm -hmm. but I know from what it sounds like, your boyfriend doesn't read, obviously, nobody does as much as you do. <laughs> <laughs> and my fiance actually doesn't read as much as I do. So how do you, if you're in your office as much as you are reading, what do you guys do that keeps you connected and together? Um... I, don't, I think the fact that we don't spend all our time together probably helps. <laughs> you know, like we probably get sick of each other. Um, I don't know. So, that, so like that time that he is home is special. You know, like he goes out to work. I stay home and work. And um, when he comes back, I'm excited to see him. And then I'm like, okay, now I have to read. Go away. 
but he's a musician. He likes to play music, and so like he'll do that, and I'll read books, and he's totally fine with it. Um, and we just get along that way. Yeah, yeah. My husband reads, but like not nearly as much as I do, and watches a ton of baseball in the summer. <laughs> like loves it. And I have this like Pavlovian response to hearing like the MLB Network in the background, where it's like the bell rings, and my brain is like, now pick up book. And I, like, like, like he sits on his end of the couch, and I sit on my side, and like he watches baseball, and I read books, and we kind of talk at each other occasionally. But I think there's room for like you do your thing. I'll do my thing, we can be together. Like, this is the magic of having a good partner, right? Or like having a good best friend that you can sit together in silence or like each do your own thing, but your presence with each other is the magic. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but I've never actually dated a reader. I don't know why that is. Maybe because I hate competition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you would win that. Like, but I can see myself being like, what are you reading? I want to read that first. And, you know, like, I could finish it problems. faster. Yeah, like I'll just read this and then I'll give it back to you. It's fine. So. <laughs> You know, and he's fine with it. Variety. Spice of life. Yeah. He just he just texted me, like, while the show was going on. He's like, did you throw up yet? <laughs> he's so supportive. <laughs> you didn't. We didn't even get the puke box on stage I this know. year. I'm, I was feeling pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anybody else over here? I just want to point out that I did Devin's job yesterday, but in high heels. <laughs> that is how life is. That's why we all should be feminists. <laughs> So I just wanted to know how often you read and how much do you read? Do you read at work? Do you read at home? Do you read, you know, just for work or just for play? Oh. Well, we both work at home, so the lines are pretty blurry there. Um, I don't read during my work day. I don't know how I could pull that off. Uh, so my reading time is I read for like half an hour in the morning after my coffee and then usually either between the end of the work day and dinner or sometimes in the evenings. If I get an hour a day, I'm really happy. Um, and that's like, I would love more on the weekends. I can get some more. Like if I'm traveling, I can get more, but an hour, maybe two hours a day. Um, I read about 100 books a year, which is nothing compared to this broad. And uh, <laughs> you also sleep. Yeah, I do. I really like sleep. <laughs> uh, so I just I think it's kind of it works for us the way it works for everybody else. Like you're looking for slots in your life where you can have that thing that makes you feel better about life, and reading is one of those. Um, like I you know want to go to yoga too, and I want to cook dinner and go walk the dog. <laughs> um, so that's it. Sort of just fits into my life. I wish that I had time in the workday. I feel every now and then if I'm like super behind on something, I take like an hour out of my workday, and I feel like does every Anyone know that I'm reading a book right now? <laughs> like, who is someone going to find out? Uh, so for me, that's it. It's like there's the work day, and then reading is a nice transition either into the day or out of it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Liberty reads all the time. I read like pretty much after I get up. You know, which is like I, I go to bed at like one or two, and I get up at like four or five. So I know I'm going to die soon. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's terrible for you. Don't do it. Don't drink Red Bull. Don't, don't. Get sleep, please. <laughs> um, and then I read from like, you know, 7, 7.30 until, uh, let's say, 5 or 6. And then I spend time with my boyfriends. And then he goes to bed at 9. And I read until I go to bed. So, and I read as much as I can. You know, all my jobs are in books, so mostly new releases. But I try to throw in some backlists there. But I try to read everything that I can. Yeah, yeah and I try to... Huh? 
It's about the same for me, too. I'm reading for the show a lot. Yeah. Um, and then since we've freed ourselves up to not just talk about new releases every week, we can incorporate like this book that I've had on my pile forever that I was feeling like I was never going to get to because of all the new releases. Um, sometimes I just pick one of those and, and do that thing. So it's kind of, it's this job is interesting in that way of like, I want to read things and know what's happening in publishing and obviously for the podcast. Um, but I want to have that flexibility in my reading life to pick up whatever I want sometimes. Yeah. My reading is going to be a little down this year because I spend a lot of time on Litzy. Is <laughs> anybody okay. here at Litzy? I will talk to you about this. <laughs> nice. We're all going to be at the meetup at 1.30. Yes? I love Litzy so much. <laughs> I saw other hands. Right here? Oh, everybody. Just everybody put your hands up. <laughs> right here. And then we'll... Thank you. Um, I know that you guys get a lot of books like free and stuff but do you guys ever like shop at a bookstore <laughs> oh my god all yeah. the time yeah <laughs> yeah you, have, like, you should talk to one? my boyfriend he's like i have to sneak them into the house because he's like <laughs> you get all these i books do the same thing free. yeah yeah but like I, I try to explain to him like i read a lot of galleys and if i love a book i'll go and buy a finished copy because that's how publishing stays in business you right. know yeah. like it, it's but he's like don't you didn't you get six books in the mail and i was like that was this morning <laughs> She's like, read them already. Yeah. <laughs> like, I needed these for reasons. So where do you guys shop? Is it, like, online, or do you go to a bookstore? I have fabulous indie bookstores in New England, like, where I live. So many great ones. There's River Run. There's Water Street. Um, I like to go to Portland. Our friends are opening a bookstore called yes. Print in Portland. Josh, Christine, and Emily Murtaugh. Yeah. They're letting me go next week and put books on the shelves Ooh, for them. that's exciting. Yes. <laughs> we should, like, set up a little... Um, what are those? What are those little cameras you can wear? On yes. Your yeah. Okay. And or just like, like watch you shelve and then we'll yeah. like time, <laughs> like time elapse your shelving video. That'd be awesome. Oh yeah. I'm gonna put in a request. Yeah. I uh, am lazy and don't like to leave my house. So um, anything that I want to read that doesn't come in the mail, I typically get um, from Kobo and read on my iPad. And my Kobo account is connected to Word in here in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, and they're running our bookstore over there, so they get a cut of whatever eBooks I buy. Um, I do like to wander around bookstores. But I am like, when I go on vacation, I want to be completely free of everything. So I typically like don't read on vacation and I don't shop in bookstores. But if I'm, uh, if I'm, I did it in Portland, in pa yeah, in Portland, uh, Oregon with Jeff and went to Powell's and that was great. Uh, and I like that serendipity of like, oh, I hadn't even heard of this, like, which does happen uh, and picking up a new book. But I, it's, it's mainly just by accident that I shop, yeah. that I like go to a bookstore and shop for books, which makes me a bad literary citizen. Um, <laughs> But, like, I'm doing enough, right? Yeah, pretty, if you ever do that thing with the GoPro, please put it on you. Yeah, a GoPro, well, that's what it's we called. We were going to do it for BEA one year. We discussed it, like, letting me run through the Javits Center. Yeah, with, like, a helmet cam. Oh, that should totally we, we might still do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do. But I think we were worried I would take down Duff McKagan at his event. Yeah. <laughs> just be like, <laughs> I see one back here. I think we have, like, two more questions we can take after this. I have no idea what time it is. So I'm going to start with the whole, you know, like reading a word and not quite catching. It turns out that the piece of land that a duke holds is not a dukey. It is a duchy. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> <laughs> Look, well, how? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> this, this was an embarrassment in the middle of the game, but anyway. Um, we got you. So I'm wondering, like, 
I, it's kind of remarkable just the range of books and genres that this um, podcast kind of covers. And I was wondering, were you both like or always such sort of voracious cross-genre readers or has the process of this no, site and this yeah. podcast kind of uh, caused you to expand out? You want to go first? <laughs> Um, I, my mother was a librarian, so I am a library brat, and she was sort of, her desk was up in the children's sections in the fiction, so I, for many, many years, just read fiction when I was a little kid, except for this Nellie Bly biography that I loved, oh my god, but um, this is definitely... Like broadened yeah. my reading. Book Riot has done Book some Riot. amazing yeah. things for me. It was Book Riot that did it for me. Like I was such a snob like ten years ago. <laughs> uh, literary fiction and you know like creative nonfiction and personal essays. And I still love that stuff. Um, but Book Riot really broadened my reading. Like the, I think the thing that is magical is having someone who, that you trust who knows you recommend a book to you. Like for me, that's the thing that gets me out of my comfort zone is knowing that Liberty has such a sense of who I am and what I'm. I'm going to be interested in that if she recommends something as specifically as like you're going to like this or uh, Jen Northington our events director got me to read my first romance several years ago by, and I was like well you're my best friend so I'm going to like the romance that you recommend for me um, and it, it has broadened it so much um, one of the like nitty gritty pieces of the show is that uh, for the site content and for the show we want to make sure that at least 25% of the books that we talk about are by people of color and sometimes like some weeks in publishing that is really difficult uh, so sometimes we're digging and I'm picking up like authors that I've never heard of or books that I might not have gotten to on my own and it's been amazing to discover them through that process like it, it's worth doing that work because you will discover amazing things that you wouldn't have known about so the short answer is yes like, I think it's opened up both of us a lot okay over here in the blue you get to be the last question Hi, I'm Allie. Hi. I'm a part-time bookseller, and I wanted to get um, maybe like a Swiss Army knife recommendation for diverse books because I'm in Leewood, Kansas. So um, Kansas, yes. <laughs> but diversity is is maybe sometimes lacking, especially on you know front lists and things like mm -hmm. that. So um, especially fiction would be great um, that I could recommend to people. Where do you the want mothers? Oh, the mothers by Britt Bennett. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, the Wings versus the World by Jade Chang. That like anybody could like that book. It's it has family and tension and like melodrama and humor. It's so good. It's a great road trip novel. Queen of the Night. Oh, Queen of the Night by Alexander Chi. Yeah. Yeah, you're like classics people in your life that want to read a big 700-page book over the course of a snowy weekend. Queen of the Night is the one for them. I think that's great. <laughs> Yeah, and I think everybody in the world always should read Sula by Toni Morrison. Like, if you cannot find something in that book, you might be broken. <laughs> That's our show. We're going to go hang out at the signing area, not, like, we to are. sign things, but to say hi to you guys. We are. Surprise! <laughs> um, so if you had more questions or you just want to say hi or whatever, we're going to hang out over there for a few minutes. Thank do you, guys. I finish my Red Bull? Yeah, I do not want to finish your Red Bull. I don't know what would happen. <laughs> Uh, this has been live all the books thanks to our sponsors Harper Perennial and welcome to Night Vale be sure to stop and get your giveaways on the way out and thank you guys thank you <laughs>